Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Golston Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. There's a famous chapter in the Bible from Isaiah in chapter 53. It says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing that his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom the people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We're all like sheep wandering away from God. And we just sang about the beauty that we behold in Him and yet there was nothing beautiful, humanly speaking, about Him and certainly nothing beautiful about the cross that He went to. But what's beautiful is that by His love and by His grace, He did it for us. So we're able to sing, oh, he loves us so. He so much loves us that he went to the cross to die for you. Isn't that great? That's what we come here to celebrate. That's why we come here to worship him. Amen? Let me say that this particular passage that I just read was 400 years or approximately 400 years before Jesus even came to this earth. But that Event, the event of the cross was planned before the creation of this world that the God of the universe would come and die for you. So that Isaiah is right in saying, who's believing the message? Who's the one that's going to, to, uh, to stand up and say, yes, I believe in Jesus? And Chris today is going to speak about it's finished and uh, and we'll recognise as we come to Easter Sunday that it's not quite finished yet, but he's going to talk about what has been finished and what's been finished is our striving and our effort to try to get to God, but he made it possible uh, through Jesus. Morning, church, on this Good Friday. So our readings this morning come from the book of John, uh, chapter 19, starting at verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with two, two others with him, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Now we skip on to verse 28 to 30. Later... Knowing that all was now complete, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, 
Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Uh, In some way or form, I think we like to think here at the Heights that every week we preach the gospel, every week we talk about what Jesus has done for us, every week uh, we remember and we reflect upon Jesus, the most precious one of all, the Son of God come from heaven, died on a cross for us. Every week we preach uh, the gospel. But I'm excited, I'm privileged today uh, to preach on this Good Friday because Good Friday, I think, is a really specific time for us. It's a, it's a great chance for us, I think, to consider where we stand with, with God. It's a great chance for us, wherever we are in our life, wherever we're thinking about God, whatever our journey has looked like up until this point, Good Friday is an awesome opportunity for every single one of us uh, to consider who God is, what does it mean that he sent Jesus for us, and what does that mean for my life. The gospel of Jesus Christ uh, cannot be beaten when it comes to nourishing our soul. Uh, Just yesterday in my NRL group chat, I messaged my mates on there, when it comes to controversy, I'm telling you the NRL cannot be beaten. For pointless, silly, just unpredictable controversies, I just said the NRL cannot be beaten. But I want to tell you this morning, when it comes to the nourishment of your soul, when it comes to your life, when it comes to your heart, when it comes to everything that is important in who you are, the gospel cannot be beaten. And every single one of us this morning have an opportunity to, again, with fresh ears, to consider the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, dead on a cross for you and for me. I pray this morning as we sung that every single one of us would have an opportunity this morning to have a moment with Jesus and to, to, to say or to at least feel the words that we sung this morning uh, as we look and we consider who Jesus is dead on a cross. We would, we would consider those words from that third song that we sung. Uh, I realise just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. I pray this morning you have a moment with Jesus where you can say those words to Jesus that I realise just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And so on the cross as Jesus died, he cried out the final words of his living life, it is finished. It's those words I'm going to focus on this morning, Jesus on the cross uh, about to die, crying out, it is finished. And I think this morning it does, it begs the question, well, okay, what exactly was finished? Let's pray again super quick. God, we thank you for all that you are. We thank you for this opportunity, this Good Friday, to consider what does it mean that you sent Jesus for us? And I pray, God, in our hearts right now that you would be opening doors that need to be opened, that you would be helping us to be reflecting upon our lives where we stand with you and help us to again, wherever we're at, to hear the message of the gospel with fresh ears and with hope and joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take uh, us back in time to 1896, a time that I think only a few of us uh, would remember from our young days, perhaps. 1896. In 1896, something important happened. Well, probably um, lots of important things happened. 
But in 1896, a team of English archaeologists went to Egypt. And in Egypt, they started digging. And as they were digging, they found uh, something, a discovery that was important. It was significant, something that surprised them, astounded them, something uh, that surprised and astounded a lot of people. As they dug in the dry sands of Egypt in 1896, they found some papyrus. They found some papyrus. Now, this was important for a few reasons. First of all, you might not know this about papyrus, but papyrus doesn't actually usually store very well. It doesn't last. It rots very quickly. You put even the slightest amount of humidity on it and it melts. It's like a Sydney person going to live in Brisbane. You put a bit of humidity on them, okay, and they just melt. Papyrus doesn't last. So when you find some old papyrus, it's significant. It's important. It might tell you something. Well, In 1896, they found some papyrus that consisted uh, of some documents that were 2,000 years old. And in these documents, there were a lot of different things. It included some early copies of the New Testament, but it was a library mostly made up of everyday documents, receipts, uh, business transactions, uh, real estate papers, all different documents that were just from the normal everyday marketplace of life. Think about just those random receipts in your house, the, the things that you've scribbled down, uh, things that, are, that you might think, well, they're, they're pointless and worthless. Well, in 2,000 years, it might be able to tell them something about what life was like now. Well, that's exactly what these archaeologists found. These documents mostly found of the everyday market place of life. And there was three important points about this discovery uh, that Christians got excited about at least. The first thing that Christians got excited about was that these documents verified the fact that the New Testament, at least the copies that we have now, were authentic and accurate. They matched the same documents that were 2,000 years old, going all the way back. It was, it was 99.99% the same. And that excited Christians. Our, our Bible, as we already knew, can be trusted. The second thing that Christians got uh, interested in was that uh, this find enabled uh, Christians and theologians to understand or at least confirm that the language that the Bible, the New Testament, was originally written in was the exact same type of language and the exact same type of words that people just wrote down in everyday life. Okay, it wasn't that the New Testament was written in this high and mighty religious language that was unattainable. It was written in the language of the people. And this was an important principle. It's an important principle that still holds today. That's why uh, Christians are so excited about translating the Bible into different languages, updating the translations all the time, because the Bible, God's Word, was for the people. Okay, Just like Jesus came from heaven and became one of us, God's Word was also came and was came for us in our language, in the way that we relate. And third of all, in these documents, as they read through these everyday uh, transactional type documents, they kept finding this one significant word over and over. I say word because the original Greek word was one word, but in our Bibles, in the English, it is written as it is finished. They kept finding this word over and over and over again on every type of like business transaction document. There it was. It is finished over and over again. It is finished. Almost like a stamp, like paid. There it was. It is finished. And so 
as we consider Jesus' last words on the cross to be the exact same words that they found over and over, it is finished. It begs the question for us this morning, what was Jesus trying to communicate? What was he sort of saying to the people? What was he announcing to them and even to us this morning? Well, first of all, this is what we can tell. On the cross, Jesus did not say, I am finished. On the cross, as Jesus was about uh, to die, he wasn't just merely announcing that his physical life was about to come to an end. He wasn't just saying, yep, I'm done, I'm dead, this is over. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It wasn't a signal that his physical life was done. It was an announcement of victory. It was an announcement that something had been achieved. It was an announcement that something had been completed. It was an announcement that something had been totally and utterly and entirely paid in full. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, as we heard in our prayer this morning, God knew that this was, I was going to mention this. Okay, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know if you call that. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, Jesus, perfect. Uh, He never once did anything wrong. The the most precious one that ever walked the, the, the face of this earth. He made that person to become sin, the sin that you and I live in our life, the things that we do wrong, the the areas of our life where we fall short. He put all of that on the one that didn't have any so that we, us, the rest of humanity might have the opportunity to become the righteousness of God. That is that God might view us as perfect and clean and perfect. Jesus from the cross was telling us that this exchange had been done. He had become sin. He had taken it upon himself so that we might become pure and perfect, righteous in the sight of God. It is finished. And what's important here is that Jesus didn't say it is finished and then sort of like dot, 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 you know, now you you can actually finish it. No, it is finished, ended with a full stop. Done, donezo, finished, something was done, paid for, okay? The assignment given to Jesus by the Father of becoming sin for all of humanity, fulfilling all of the the promises of the Old Testament that God's people had been waiting for, the, the task that Jesus had been given, that he'd been talking about. You know, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, I have come to fulfill it. When he was just uh, not eating one day and his disciples were like, here, Jesus, have some bread. Jesus said to them, you know, I don't need bread, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus, while he lived, said, okay, I have come to do a job. I'm here for an assignment. I'm here for a task. I'm I'm not here to just hang out and eat food. My food is doing the job that Jesus had done, that has sent me to, to do. And so on the cross, he's saying, that assignment that I've been telling you all about, it is finished. As Jesus hung on the cross, disfigured, mangled, suffocating to death in his own blood, he mustered up all of his remaining energy and strength to declare to them and to declare to us that it is finished. And so as we this morning remember with the appropriate level of somberness, the serious and seriousness, the death of our Saviour, I want to also encourage you with this. 
that when Jesus announces that something is finished, when Jesus finishes something, it doesn't need to be redone. It doesn't need to be added to. It's not a task. It's not a half-built building. It's not a colouring in sheet that he's printed out for us. Okay, look, I've done some of it. Now your job is to colour it in. It's not a puzzle that it's like mostly done and here's a few pieces for you to like finish the job. No, it's done. It's completed. Some of us here haven't come to Christ yet. Some of us here haven't come to God and put our faith in Him. And for some of us, the reason why we haven't done that is because this is what we think. This is the mistake that we have in our thinking. We think, okay, what I need to do is I need to sort myself out before I come to God. This is what I need to do. Okay, I know that I could come to God. I know that I should come to God. Even, even I actually want to come to God. But, but what I should do is go and tidy up my life, get all those loose ends sorted, clean up my act, and then I'll come to God. But the promise that God has for you this morning is that He takes you as you are. He loves you as you are. He comes to you all the way as you are. And there are some people here this morning who have come to Christ that need to hear that again. Okay. He comes to you as you are. He loves you as you are. He knows your mistakes. He knows your faults. He knows where you've gone wrong and he knows where you've gone wrong lately. But the promise is that God takes you as you are. He finished the job. It doesn't matter that you haven't sorted out your things yet because the gospel of Jesus Christ says it is finished. He comes to you. It is done. He loves you all the way. You don't have to pay an extra price. Okay, if someone buys you a car and they give it to you, you don't have to then go, well, where's the dealership so I can, you know, give them a bit extra just to really make sure that it is paid for. No, it's your car. He gives it to you. It's yours. He knows you don't have any money. He knows you can't afford it, but it is yours, paid in full. On the cross, Jesus bore our sins. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself the consequences and judgment of everything that we have ever done. Everything in our life, everything in your life, everything in my life that was ever for one moment self-serving, everything in your life and everything in my life that was ever even for one moment selfish, Jesus on the cross took all of the negative consequences on himself. And so Good Friday is amongst other things an opportunity, an invitation to enter into a dimension of rest, okay, that your soul craves more than anything else. Your soul was made to rest in God and Good Friday is an opportunity for you to just finally and utterly let go, okay, rest. God paid it already. For so, much, so many of us, we live our lives thinking that we have to prove ourselves. For so many of us, we think our life is about showing other people that we've got it together. For so many of us, we think that we've got to live our life in a way so that when other people think of us, they think, yeah, they know what they're doing. They're respectable. They've got it, they've got it going on. They know what they're doing. Too often, many of us live our life through a criteria that is performance-based. That is, we think, okay, I am good enough as long as I dot, dot, dot. No, the promise of Good Friday is that we are good enough 
because Jesus paid it in full. He makes us good enough. He's made that great exchange. Jesus' words on the cross are an invitation to leave that mentality of I've got to prove I've got to prove myself. I've got to, I've got to strive. I've got to give more. I've got to be respectable. I've got to be good enough. I've got to show everyone. I've got to, got to show myself that I'm... The message of Good Friday is that we can leave that all aside, that by grace, through faith, we are accepted first. That is, that anything good that we can achieve in our lives, we're able to do so from a position of it already being done. We start at the finishing line so that anything we do, we do from a freedom of it doesn't matter if we fall. We do so from a freedom of we now get to do good, we don't have to do good. We do from so from a position of I can actually just live into the life that God has given me, not so that I can prove myself, but because this is actually who God made me to be. The cross and Jesus hanging on the cross is an invitation even to those who are wearied by their own self-righteousness. We here in a church, okay, this is, this is the home of the self-righteous. We, we love to be self-righteous in the church. We can't help it. We hear the gospel and yet still we can't, we can't help it. We, we think, well, I'm, I'm at church. I, okay, I'm just by being here, I must be better than everybody else. Okay, I've actually been coming to this church for a long time. I'm here most uh, Sundays, actually. Uh, I, I don't really like to tell people this, but I've been reading my Bible a heap lately. You know, when I worship the songs, I'm not, my mind's not drifting. I'm actually worshiping God. We can't help it. The gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus hanging on the cross is an invitation to just let go of all of those ideas of we need to do, we need to be more. The one who created you says to you this morning, you don't have to work to get me. I love you where you are. I've come all the way to you. You are enough because I was enough. You can let go of all your own attempts of righteousness because here, take my righteousness. It's way better. It's perfect. It was paid in full. It is finished. I want to appeal to you this morning that these words, Jesus on the cross crying out, it is finished, that these words more than any other words transcend all other words that, you, that, that could be said to you in your lifetime. It's these words that, that could actually define your life. That on the cross, Jesus paid it all. That the justice of God was fully satisfied. That the divine wrath that should have been ours was exhausted upon the Son and by Him it was extinguished. There's a preacher in America, his name's Paul Washer, and he, and he tells a story about the gospel this way, and I want to take you on this imagination journey this morning. Imagine, he says, an immense dam that is filled to the brim and straining against the weight behind it. All at once, the protective wall is pulled away and the massive destructive power of the deluge is unleashed. As certain destruction races towards a small village in the nearby valley, the ground suddenly opens up before it and drinks down that which should have carried it away. In similar fashion, the judgment of God was rightly racing towards every human being. 
The judgment of God was rightly racing toward you and me. Escape could not be found on the highest hill. Escape could not be found in the deepest abyss. It doesn't matter how fast you are, you couldn't outrun it. It doesn't matter how many times you've come to church, you couldn't outrun it. It doesn't matter how respectable you like to present yourself you are. I promise you this morning you couldn't outrun it. The dam was breached. Nothing could repair its ruin. But when every human hope was exhausted at the appointed time, the Son of God came and lived on this earth and he lived a perfect life, never once doing anything wrong. And at the, import, at the appointed time, the Son of God died and hung on a cross. He stood between divine justice and his people. He drank down that wrath that we ourselves had kindled and the punishment that we deserved. When he died, not one drop of the former deluge remained. He drank it all. He took it all. He paid it all. And he said, it is finished. When we place our faith in Jesus, not a single sin in our life, not a single wrongdoing in our life, not a single stain upon our character, whether past or present or future holds anymore, all of it paid for, accounted for, stamped by Jesus. The job was totally completed. And so what matters for you this morning whether you've come to Christ before or whether you haven't yet, is where's your trust? Are you still trusting in yourself? Are you still trusting in trying to be good enough? In Romans chapter 10, Paul says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is your, with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. If you're already a Christian this morning, I want to encourage you to hear that gospel again. Let that gospel again nourish your heart. Whatever you need to let go of this morning, let go of whatever it takes for you this morning to see Jesus beautiful uh, and, and, and precious and how much his affections are for you, do it this morning. Let God take what you need him to take. And if this morning you have not yet believed in your heart, if this morning you have not yet declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, let me challenge you this morning to at least wrestle with the potential, the possibility of doing so. Maybe today is the day. Maybe next week is the week. But at least wrestle with it. Don't wait. Don't let the opportunity pass you by. Jesus hung on a cross and he presented himself and he announced it is finished. And even this morning, as we remember and reflect upon that, he does so again for you and for me. It's another thing I want to say before I finish, which is this. As I was reflecting upon this story, I considered the fact that you think about Jesus' story in the lead up to dying on the cross. You think about the amount of people that thought that they got to be the ones to finish Jesus' story. Okay, you think about the religious leaders who thought, okay, finally we've put an end to Jesus. You think about Herod, uh, King Herod. You think about the things that he did to Jesus. Okay, I finally got rid of him, uh, worked it out, sent him back to Pilate. Okay, and then Pilate washed his hands of him and went, okay, 
whatever. You want to crucify him, you crucify him. It's finished. I'm done with it. Think about the amount of people that thought they got to be the ones to declare on Jesus' story that it is finished. Well, I want to tell you this morning that there might be a lot of voices in your life saying it's over, it's done, it's finished, that your opportunity to turn over a new leaf, you've exhausted all those possibilities. There might be a lot of voices in your life saying that, that when it comes to your life, that it's over. But the truth is that it is not finished until Jesus says it is finished. That it is not done until Jesus says it is done. And that is true of wherever your life is right now. It is not finished until Jesus declares so. And the only thing that he says is finished in your life is that your sin is paid for. That's the only thing he says it is finished. Every other opportunity and possibility that God might have for your remaining days still remains so because Jesus is the one that declares when things are over. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, for all that you've done for us. And I do ask you, Lord, that as we now take an opportunity to sing to you, to praise to you, that, that wherever we stand, that we would at least have a moment right now that we would consider how precious and beautiful you are, that we would right now consider and treasure the affections that you have for us, that we would be able to consider now uh, all the things that uh, it meant for Jesus to die on a cross for us. Help us today to be nourished by that, to be healed by that, to be forgiven by that, to be cleaned white as snow by that. We thank you for Jesus hanging on a cross who finished his job and announced in the words of the people so that they would understand and even so that we might understand this morning that when it comes to sin, when it comes to striving, It is finished. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.